0: Well, good evening, Kairos family. Uh, My name is Chris Kimston. I'm the person who spoke to you through the gram yesterday. Uh, If we haven't had the chance to meet, I was the one almost falling off the the railing of the balcony as I was like trying to take that Instagram video. My name is Chris. I am the Young Adult Admissions Minister right here at Hope Elam, uh, Hope's downtown campus, and I'm the minister to Kairos Des Moines, the Des Moines contingent of Kairos that started just this last year. We're like, hey, we just moved churches and changed names and are in a new spot, and there's a pandemic, so let's start a new ministry. It sounds like a great idea. Nothing could go wrong. And it didn't. It was great. And so, all that's to say, uh, shout out to any Des Moines people in the room, and thank you all for being here. Thank you online folks joining us. Uh, We hope that you feel like you're here and a part of the team as well, and I'd actually like to start here with a question. As we look at the circumstances of the world around us, does anybody else feel like they need to relearn how to be a human being? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel like you need to know, like relearn how to like interact with other living, breathing, creation people in the world, right? Like, um, as the world starts to open up, there's this little bit of extra uh, interaction that happens pretty frequently. Like, people are starting to, like, get a little close to you now, like, as you talk. Like, people uh, are getting your personal space a little bit. People are much quicker to the high five and the hug versus, like, the awkward interaction before. And the really big one is that now that we're uh, blessed enough to uh, not have to wear masks all the time, you are seeing a lot of new faces. Uh, there were people that I got to know over the last year. I mean, uh, you know, we, we moved into this building, we merged with another church, and we started new initiatives, which brought around more volunteers. And uh, there basically a ton of new people that I got to meet, college students, uh, young and old, all these different things here at Hope Elam, and uh, there's this guy named Les, Uh, shout out to Les, he's not a college student, but he's the type of person that would watch this, so he has been helping with a lot of our missions initiatives, and I've seen Les like weekly since October, and I just found out that Les has a mustache, like what am I supposed to do with that information, Uh, everything has changed now. But for real, like, it's, it's like twice the amount of information for your brain uh, to process. Actually, I say this uh, slightly in jest, kind of not, but it can be really kind of overwhelming for all of the human interaction that we're seeing to just see nobody's mouth like looks like what you think it's going to look like. You know what I mean? No, and so I thought this was a weird thing to say, and I mentioned this to a bunch of people today, and they're like, no, it's a real thing. Uh, my friends and I had a group chat, and we, had, we were against... Uh, uh, relieving the mask restriction, uh, not because we thought it was unsafe, but because we just didn't want to deal with the emotional baggage of having to see everyone's mouth. Uh, so uh, we came up with a hashtag, hashtag no new mouths. If I haven't seen your mouth, I don't want to see it again. But no, but for real. Um, even if you're an extrovert like me, a lot of this can be really draining emotionally, uh, f- uh, emotionally, spiritually, uh, mentally, and therefore physically, because, spoiler alert, it's all connected. And I say all of that kind of stuff with humor, but seriously, it's actually really difficult to know how to feel about a lot of stuff right now. Like, it's, like, really hard. And the funny thing is, is, like, just under... As we try to navigate this world that we step into, I mean, let's take a step back and look at the the situation that we find ourselves in. Uh, And we can go back to the slide just before this so we don't have to look at no new mouths the whole entire time. There have been just under, and I'm serious for a moment, at least one, uh, there have been just under 4 million COVID deaths uh, around the world. And we just spent the last year plus afraid of human contact and We also had to completely change how we did jobs and school and church and classes and travel. And if we got to see our family dealing with funerals on zoom and now we're all supposed to just like march into the next school year. Like, well, that was weird. Wasn't it? Like, don't you feel like that's kind of the expectation? We're like, well, now we just got to get back to normal. But a lot of you here, have never actually dealt with a normal in whatever stage of life you're dealing with right now. Where am I? uh, Are there any uh, incoming freshmen, first year student, whatever you call it, anybody? They're not, they don't want to identify themselves. Yes, at least one. So uh, incoming students. uh, So last year was a little bit weird, right? Like the end of your high school experience is super bizarre and you don't know what's going to happen. Any second year students, sophomores in the room, sophomores represented. Yeah, I know we have a couple. Okay. Sheepish. uh, I understand. So. Sophomores, I feel for you especially because the end of your high school experience was super weird at the beginning of COVID. You got all of your stuff cut short. And then also, like, so much of your college experience has been online. You're like, I've had, I started college, right? Like, I've started A little bit but you're not quite sure what to expect during the next year on and on and on through the juniors the the this is seniors the super seniors anybody representing in here the super super seniors as many uh, victory lapses you want to take all of you all of you graduate students we're all dealing with a really difficult circumstance and if it feels like I'm nailing this home I am because it feels like we're not supposed to let that be known but guess what? It's okay that it feels really hard right now. It's okay that you're feeling uncertain. And if you're feeling uncertain and you're feeling a little lost, it isn't because you don't have it all together. It's because no one knows. It's because nobody knows. So as long as you can give yourself that permission as we start here tonight, I think that's important. Now, what we really need is some sort of foundation, right? What we really need is some sort of ground floor, some sort of base, some sort of center, whatever metaphor you want to use, that's what we need. We need something to, to build our foundation on so that when there is uncertainty like we've experienced, then we don't feel so out of whack. And in talking to Danny and Haley and all the other leaders, you know, we were, t- we were like, man, Kairos, all of y'all, and online as well, we've never all gotten together at one time. Like Campuses have not just like shown up at one Hope location before and done something together, so we're like, man, this is a major opportunity, especially in the circumstance that we find ourselves in in history. So what do we talk about? We thought that we might speak to the circumstance that we're in, this phase in this place of life that we're all at corporately, and what is that foundation for us as a college ministry and for us individually as we continue forward? So we're gonna jump into what exactly that looks like. Does that sound good? Yeah? Okay. No, it's good. You're allowed to like be like, yes, that sounds good. Okay, cool. So we're going to jump into our scripture reading for today. We're going to flip to Isaiah 43. Feel free, uh, digital or physical, if you have your internet rectangles. I know you all do. So feel free to pull those out. You can Google. Uh, you can get on your Bible apps. If you have, like, the vintage flippy pages on a uh, paper Bible, feel free to open that as well, Isaiah 43. And I'll even stall for you while you look for it. Isaiah 43. The book of Isaiah is in the Old Testament and is named after its main character. And that person, Isaiah, is a messenger from God. The word that gets thrown around is prophet, depending on what uh, denomination you come from growing up. And we have a lot of different ones represented here. It, that word is weird for some of you, but basically it just means someone who speaks on behalf of God. So Isaiah chapter 43, and we're going to flip to verse 18. Chapter 43, verse 18. You heard Anna read it, but I'm going to read it again. Verse 18, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Now, that might seem like just kind of some pretty imagery. Pastoral imagery is what they call it, not like pastor, but like dealing with nature, right? You're like, that's very poetic. That's very nice. But it's actually doing something really specific here. See, for many of us, when we encounter the word wilderness, some of your Bibles might say desert, uh, which sometimes it's translated different ways, but um, either is appropriate here. If it's misspelled, it says desert, And when we in central Iowa in 2021, when we hear the word wilderness, we tend to think of somewhere else, right? If I were to ask you to picture a wilderness, you do not think anywhere close to your house is the point that I'm trying to make. Like maybe you think of a jungle, maybe you think of a desert, which is not close in, uh, in good old Iowa, when we think of wilderness, we think of some place that is so separate from our day-to-day that it seems to not really matter. We think of some place that we might never actually encounter when we think of wilderness. Or, if you're like me, another way, I guess, to think about it would be, like, wilderness? Oh, like like camping? Great. I love camping. Grab your chacos. Let's go do this thing. But, like, um, so, and I say that in jest, but also implicitly, like, on, you get your Pinterest, your Etsy, whatever, like, I yearn for the wilderness. I'm going to hang that up in my dorm, like Wanderlust, like all those things. We implicitly think of, va- of, of, of wilderness as vacation. Some of us have a positive connotation with that. None of those are wrong cultural differences, but the reason I'm bringing up here is that when this author was using the word wilderness, they were doing something very, very different. And I think that's really, really important. You see, the original audience for this wisdom that Isaiah is giving is that they lived in a region of the world where it was mostly wilderness. And what we mean when we say that, they lived in these centralized communities. They weren't like, hey, let's just all like live close to each other because it seems fun. Uh, they did it because they didn't want to get eaten. They, didn't, they did it because they didn't want to succumb to the harsh uh, geographical landscape around them. They, they lived close to each other so that they wouldn't run out of resources. They did it for survival. It wasn't a vacation. It wasn't for the gram. It wasn't for TikTok. It wasn't for any of that. The wilderness was a daily reality and a major part of their life. Wilderness could look like a desert, like maybe some of your Bible translations say. It could also be a plain like a, just where not a whole lot of things grow. It could be a rocky terrain where there's very little plant life. It could look a lot of different ways. The, the definition that we want to go to for wilderness is, uh, that we can work off is wilderness is a place where life does not flourish. That's the thing that unites all wilderness together. Uh, it's the antithesis of like a holy land, of a, of a garden of Eden. Instead, this is where plant life, um, where, where people, where relationships, where the spirit of God Um, it's hard for people to live, and often, this is where God meets people throughout the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, which we're in now. If you look at all these different stories, people bump into God when they're in the place of struggle. So whenever you see the word wilderness, there's something that's about to happen. So we have them out in the wilderness, and they're, they're mentioning this here. And if you read this, maybe you don't know desert. I don't know if any of you have been to a desert. I don't know if you've been to a harsh land where you're um, threatened by surrounding wildlife. But a wilderness is a place where you're not sure what's going to happen. A wilderness is a place where you're not sure what you're supposed to be doing. Wilderness is a place where you don't seem to have a whole lot of hope. While you might not know deserts and animals and danger and plains, what I just described actually sounds really familiar. That kind of sounds like the last year. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not sure how I'm supposed to be feeling. I do feel really isolated. Because the truth is, while I know that we might not know a lot about that, what the author is talking about is the wildernesses that we all have in our lives. Even though we live way different lives than the people that Isaiah was talking to. We are talking about our daily time in which we don't quite know what to do. We all encounter our own personal wildernesses in everyday life. And what Isaiah is saying, Isaiah says, don't dwell on the past. I want to make sure you're not hearing this incorrectly. What Isaiah is not saying is uh, don't pay attention to your problems, kumbaya, Jesus loves you so you shouldn't pout and everything will be fine. Because guess what? Life is still hard even when you follow Jesus, maybe even especially when, right? Specifically because of what this verse talks about. Jesus loves you, certainly, but Danny will talk about this more in just a, just a couple minutes, but we're talking about following God through the wilderness, not around the wilderness, Right? Because Isaiah, one of God's messengers, on behalf of God says God is doing something new and we get to partner in that new thing. What God does not do is say, hey, you stay back here and I'm just going to blaze an easy trail for you because you're my man and they're just going to go right through there and then we get to walk through completely unscathed. God could just magically solve all the world's problems around, but instead, what God decides to do, God is kind enough, good enough, and loving enough that he uses us. God uses us to bring the goodness into the world. God partners with us, with the things that we love to do, with the blessings that we're given in our hands. That's what we get to use to make the world a better place. That's how the kingdom of God gets here. Not through God doing some sort of magic trip, but by God giving everybody you. When God's leading through our wilderness, we're right with God in that wilderness. And that doesn't make it, that doesn't make it easy, and that doesn't mean the, the wilderness is not dangerous, and that doesn't mean it's not scary, and that doesn't mean it's often not painful. I'm not trying to minimize anybody's pain that they're dealing with here today, because I don't know what your circumstance is, but I do know that God loves you. I do know that whatever wilderness you're in the midst of, God is leading you through that thing. And that is the gift that we're told here in this verse. God is partnering with us as as Isaiah said, God is doing a new thing. So all of this is to say, if you find yourself in a particularly difficult place right now, it's okay. It actually probably means you're paying attention. And it could, I I focused a lot on COVID earlier, but I also know, uh, I say this a lot at at Revive, uh, young adulthood that you're all in now is often a time of loss. It's a time that you are a different person than you used to be. You're in a different, you're, you're dealing with the loss of maybe living with your parents and the loss of the comfort that you had before, the loss of certain friends that you might've had in the past, the loss of a certain passion that you don't get to do anymore, the loss of a friend that you may never get to see again from graduation, there are a lot of circumstances. Maybe you're dealing with a death in the family. Maybe you're dealing with uh, any number of these problems. It could have nothing to do with the pandemic. But whatever wilderness you find yourself in, we get to engage both individually uh, in our own lives and corporately. Here is Kairos, Kairos Iowa City, Kairos Ames, Kairos Des Moines, and here is Kairos here today. With a God who loves us and is including us in the new thing that God is doing. We have to know that. Before we know where God is leading, we have to know that we're part of the team. We have to know that we're part of the plan. And if I had the time, I would like do the whole like stare into everybody's eyes so that they know. But just know that I'm talking about you because somebody in here feels like it's not them. They think it's everybody else. But I really mean it's each and every one of us in the gifts that we're given. God wants to participate with us in bringing God's kingdom here. And so, what we're talking about is that foundation. But before we get to know where God is leading us, we have to know that we're participating. So, maybe this is where this message meets you for today. And in just a moment, Danny's going to talk about what exactly that looks like and where God's leading but maybe the, where it meets you today is you have to realize that you're actually in the game. You have to realize that you actually do matter. You have to realize that you actually do have something to give. So that would be my prayer for you if that's the, if that's the part of the story that you're at. and Maybe that's just a part of your life. But please know you are essential to this. That God leads us through our wilderness. God leads you through your wilderness. You will come out on the other side and God will be leading, we'll be partnering to bring God's kingdom here. And so, uh, for what foundation God is leading for us in 2021 looks like, I'm going to hand it over to Danny.
1: My man, Chris Kinston. How about it for him, huh? Man. Yeah, Chris and I have known each other since we were in kindergarten. Maybe preschool. It's crazy. Chris's mom was my music teacher in elementary school at Westridge Elementary, Mrs. Kimston. Anybody Westridge Elementary grad? Yeah, come on. Yep, yeah, yeah, Uh, Westridge Elementary. Hey, uh, like Chris said, I get to talk about where I believe that God is calling us as a community, what God's calling Kairos to be, who God's calling us to become. Um, But of course, as Chris started, where we are now. Um, Anybody here grow up going to vacation Bible school of any sort whatsoever? And vacation Bible school is where the magic happens, isn't it? I love vacation Bible school. There's this really amazing thing that happens at vacation Bible school, where we try to teach the kids about God's power, right? Like we try to teach them about God's power. There's this song that we sing. We we ripped off an Imagine Dragons song, uh, "Lightning and the Thunder," and uh, we call it "God's Love Is the Power." It's like, power, feel the power. God's love is the power. It's amazing. Believe me, you got to see it. And you should see these kids light up, right? You should see these kids light up when they encounter power. In Romans chapter 8, it tells us that there is nothing that can separate us from the power of God's love. Nothing in heaven, nothing in hell, nothing in life, nothing in death, not angels, not demons. Nothing can separate us from God's love. And so when we tell the kids, hey, we're talking about the power of God, and they're like, yeah, power! Like, Don't you forget what the power is. God's power is love. God's love is his power. God is powerful. Infinitely powerful, and yet he chooses to show his power with love. We have the kids shout back at us during that song. We're like, all right, I want to hear you get powerful. So we shout power, and they shout power back. Can we do that? Like, Power! 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 Power!" Power! And when you tell a kid they can't shout louder, the six-year-old's just like, "Ah!" You know, they can't stop it. You didn't think I could scream that high, did you? Mm, You haven't seen anything yet. And then we tell them, all right, go ahead, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. Come on, I'm serious. Go ahead, stand on up. And we say, okay, you want, you want to feel God's power? You want to feel God's power? And we say, oh. You see, you see what's up there? It's God's love. God's love, it's God's love, God's love is up there boys and girls, God's love is it's the power, it's here, and boys and girls it's coming down, it's coming down on us boys and girls, God's love is the power so you better be ready to catch God's powerful love, are you ready, it's coming down on the count of one, on the count of two on the count of three and every single kid falls down like it's Acts 2, give yourself a seat, it's nice and just go ahead and feel it, and you're like oh boys and girls, that's a lot of love and they're going nuts and they're screaming. You're like, oh wow! I mean, if you walked into this out of context, you'd be so confused. What are these children doing, lying on a sanctuary floor? You'd think that we just went around like, you healed, you healed. No, not like that, right? But they're laying on the ground. They're like, power, power. And then we say, all right, put it in your heart, boys and girls. They go, that's a lot of love. God's love is the power. God's power is His love. It's important to be filled up with that. And it's just an illustration, but it's true. God's love gets in your heart, and it is powerful. Powerful enough to nourish you in that wilderness. Powerful enough to bring you peace in the storms. In that same chapter, Isaiah chapter 43, at the beginning it says this. When you go through deep waters, it's amazing. God's like, yeah, I know some of you are walking through wilderness, and I know some of you feel like you're in the waters up to your neck. When you go through deep waters, not if you go through deep waters, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. God's love is this power that stands with you in all circumstances. The ancient Jewish people, they had this understanding of God's power as his love, his faithfulness that would never leave them. They would compare it and liken it to water. Or these immensely powerful things in their lives. There's water, the uncontrollable seas. There's God's love, though, and the power. And God's powerful love is even stronger than that. It says this uh, on the next slide in the book of Psalms Where is there anyone as mighty as you, Lord? You are entirely faithful. You rule the oceans, you subdue their storm tossed waves. Oh, God, you are so powerful. This was just absolutely indoctrinated into their minds. Growing up as young Jewish uh, people, younger than you, as they're growing up, they would hear these stories about the God who's stronger than water. They'd reflect over to long ago in the book of Exodus where Moses said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, all right, you know, and then, no, I'm kidding, go, no, I'm kidding, go, no, I'm kidding. Eventually, God's people show up to a sea, a water, a powerful sea, and God splits the Red Sea and they walk through. God was powerful. But remember, God's power is love. The reason why He demonstrates His power is love. And that's so important for us to remember. When we're walking through the wilderness, when we're walking through storms, when God is calling us to something, and it is scary. Man, I remember when we started Kairos, it was scary. I remember when Iowa City students called us, they're like, hey, we want to bring Kairos here too. That was scary. When Chris Kimson certain Kairos here in Des Moines, it was scary. And yet God's love is the power that calls us into the game. Many, many years after these prophecies and after these poems were written about God's love, and his powerful love, even stronger than waters, Jesus had an encounter with his disciples His disciples were encountering power. The disciples were in trouble. They were out on a boat for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. They encountered power. Encountered fear. This must have been some kind of storm because some of the disciples were fishermen. They knew how to handle the seas and yet this power was too big for them. The story continues and Jesus came toward them walking on the water. The word there for walking, it's in the Greek, it literally means he's just walking around. The storms are crashing around him, and he's just taking a waltz. Jesus calls out to them, he says, Don't be afraid, for I am here, it says. I am here. I wonder if biblical translators have a hard time with this passage because, like, biblical translators can't translate this phrase as they want to translate it. Otherwise, it wouldn't make sense reading it in English. But in the original Greek, it doesn't say, I am here. It just says, I am. Take courage. I am. I am is the name that God gave to Moses, the one who God used to split the Red Sea a long time ago. Moses said, who should I tell him sent me? And God just says, tell him I am sent you. You know, it's amazing. God can say, I am. What he is saying is, it's not that I was, it's not that I will be, it's just, yes, I am. I always am. I am self-sustaining. I don't require anything to cause me. I don't run into anything that will stop me. I just am. And that's not just a sort of time kind of thing. It's also a circumstantial sort of thing. When the waves are crashing on Jesus, he just is. Because he's got that kind of power. He just is. And that would be nice to feel that kind of peace when the waves are crashing on you, wouldn't it? Like, it would be so good to feel that. But it's hard. The disciples are sensing this. Like, I want, I want, especially Peter. Oh, Peter. Anybody here ever heard of the guy Peter? He's the guy who's kind of known for kind of being a silly disciple sometimes. He, he acts before he thinks. He talks before he, he really thinks about what he wanted to say. But Peter calls out to Jesus and he says, Lord, if it's, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. I, I want to do it too. To Peter's great surprise, Jesus indeed responds and he says, Yes, come. Have you Have been asking God to call you in? You are asking him to be a part of the game? Growing up, uh, there were like 100 little kids in my neighborhood growing up. I loved it. Um, for the first 10 years of my life, I lived on a street called Pleasant Street. And uh, we always played these legendary backyard football games, legendary. When I was six years old, they would let me play. And that was not necessarily the safest thing in the world because while I was six, there were like 13 year olds in the backyards too. And we actually put on shoulder pads and helmets, except I didn't have real shoulder pads and real helmets, so I had my Halloween Steve Young costume, where it was like plastic shoulder pads and a plastic helmet. And on the back, it specifically says, do not use for contact sports. Where are the parents? (laughs) And I remember like every time I'd go out, I was a wide receiver in the backyard. And uh, I'd go out, and and our quarterback, Alex, who was like one of the 12 or 13-year-olds, like twice my size, he wouldn't throw me the ball. I'm getting my... Why don't you throw me the ball? It's like, because, like, I'm getting hit. I can't get to you. You know, he's got all his reasons. Throw me the ball. Throw me the ball. Throw me the ball. So finally, Alex says, "All right, fine. You want the ball? Take the take the ball. You're going to be quarterback." I'm like, "What?" Alex eventually ends up playing the position of the entire offensive line. And he just says, you follow me. And where there should have been no way, there was a way. The Bible says that. Where there is no way, God makes a way. These ancient Jewish people would have remembered stories about where there was no way, where there was a sea blocking the way, God made a way. And so in this storm of like big kid linemen ready to attack me and pulverize me, right? There was a highway, a way to go through because of Alex, not not because of me. He called me into the game and he asked me, I want you to go into the storm, but you're going with me and that makes all the difference. And as long as I focused on Alex, I was going to be all right. As long as I followed that huge, big blocker, I was going to be okay. And that was the highlight of my athletic career. Right on Pleasant Street, six years old, waltzed my way into the end zone. I was walking around on waves. Sometimes we lose our focus, don't we? Peter, he lost his focus, but when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he's watching Jesus. He's walking through the line like, okay, I'm watching you. Here we go. Come on, Jesus. He saw the strong wind and the waves, and he was terrified, began to sink. Now, that's pretty reasonable, Right? Imagine if you step out of the boat because Jesus calls you in and you're walking you're like, this is great. I love this. And oh my, oh, I'm actually walking on water. And, and he begins to sink. Jesus uh, responds uh, to, to Peter, why did you doubt me? What an interesting question. Jesus didn't say, wow, those waves were horrible, weren't they? No, he he says, why'd you doubt me? He's not saying, hey, you sank because the waves were really big. He's insinuating, you sank because you doubted me. You, You doubted my power. My love for you. You became concerned that the waves were bigger than my love. Peter, the waves are not bigger than my love. I know that doubt is kind of a trigger word in Christianity, Uh, because it makes us feel like we're less than as Christians. But doubt is something that I deal with. It is a very real thing. But if we take a look at what doubt really means, maybe we we wouldn't be so scared about it. We'd understand what it really means. Doubt in the Greek, it's distazo. Everybody say distazo. Distazo is two words put together. It's dis, which means double, and stasis, turning into stazo, which means stance. And so we've got a double stance. So yeah, Jesus, I've got my eyes on you, but I'm aware of all these things happening around me. My feet are in two places. I'm watching you, but I'm becoming more and more aware of all these waves crashing on me. And I'm scared. Jesus, I know that you say you love me, but I've got to deal with this first. Jesus, I know that you say you're powerful, but I have struggles in my life. It's a double stance. It's a distraction. When we lose our focus... You know, sometimes in the church, sometimes we tell people, like, hey, just focus on Jesus, right? Focus on Jesus. And that can sound a little dismissive at first. As if to say, your problems don't matter. Maybe sometimes somebody says that because they say, I just don't want to talk to you right now. And unfortunately, that's true because sometimes people are rude. But when Jesus says, focus on me, he's not being dismissive. He's not saying, oh, just pray your problems away. See, Peter stopped knowing how to walk on the water when he stopped watching Jesus walk on water. Like, it's so reasonable. It's so simple. Peter didn't know how to walk on water because he stopped watching the one who could walk on water. And so when we say focus on Jesus, we're not saying, hey, focus on Jesus so that you stop thinking about the distractions. It's no focus on Jesus so you see how he walks over your distractions. Focus on Jesus, not because the waves will then immediately go away all the time, but focus on the one who will not sink in those waves. And when you do, because sometimes we do, he will reach out his righteous hand, his powerful hand that is committed to you in love. And immediately, the Bible says, Jesus reached out and grabbed Peter. I'm not focusing on Jesus because I, want my pro- because I believe my problems are going to disappear. I'm focusing on Jesus because I believe he can do something with them. I'm focusing on Jesus because he knows how to walk over them. I'm focusing on Jesus because he doesn't sink in them. I'm focusing on Jesus because when I do sink and I cry out his name, he reaches out for me because his power is love and his love is committed to me. Sometimes when we talk about focusing on Jesus, we're like, well, how do we develop this focus? How do we create it? We think, well, maybe my focus just comes from my own faith, right? Like I have to create it. It's something that I have to do. Your faith comes from God's faithfulness to you. Your focus comes from God's faithfulness to you. One thing that's just been blowing my mind lately as I reflect on it is that my faith doesn't save me. God's love saves me. One of the greatest theological statements ever written is that I am saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Christ is the one who saves me. And my faith and my focus on him is only created by his faithfulness to me. His love is the power. He's the one who doesn't sink. Jesus and Peter, they get back into the boat the waves calm down and for the first time in the entire book of Matthew, somebody looks at Jesus, the disciples look at Jesus and they say, you're the son of God. Because these young Jewish men who heard all the stories and the poems and the songs about a God who could be powerful enough to control water learned that all this time they were hearing about Jesus. That God who could split the Red Sea had gotten into a boat with them. Can you focus on Jesus? Not because the waves are always gonna go away, but because you see the one who walks on top of them, who will not sink. Can you focus on Jesus? If you go back to Isaiah chapter 43 and we revisit that verse, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. Why? The response is so beautiful. It says, For I am the Lord your God. God goes with you simply because he's God. He's calling you into the game. But he's not calling you alone. And you're not going to be alone because, not because of my faith, not because of my strength, but because he's God. And God is powerful, but God's power is love. I mean, like, I get it. God is all powerful. He can do whatever he wants, but it's almost like God can't help himself. He's so committed to you that it starts to look like he needs you. And so he's calling us, Kairos. He's calling us. Can you step out of the boat? So here's what we're going to do as a community. We're going to dare. We are going to dare to shout out to Jesus. Call my name. Put me in the game. I want in. And then we're not going to be surprised. when he says, yes, come. And we will be filled with courage when he says, now go to where you did not think I would call you into the waves but I'm going to be there too I will so love you I will so care for you you will be able to sense my presence because I am the God stronger than water but all of my strength is devoted to you with love Hmm. Jesus doesn't look at Peter and start to evaluate his faith, does he? Doesn't wonder if Peter deserves to be picked up. He doesn't even waste time telling Peter how to stand up. He just does it. And so Kairos is going to be a community where every single person is welcome to come in. Whether they are sailing high above the sea, are just barely breathing above the surface. We're limping their way through the wilderness. And we're never gonna ask, what did you do to get yourself there? But by the call of Jesus who calls us to go where he goes, we reach out our hand So you don't you don't have to doubt anymore. You don't have to be double focused. You don't have to have a double stance. You can keep your eyes on Jesus and you will see what it looks like to walk on top of those waves. And when we fall, he will immediately reach out because he won't sink like we do. That's what Kairos is going to be. A place where people come in, however they are, wherever they've been, wherever they think they're going. Because this is a place where God reaches his hand. Doesn't scold us for doubting him. He says, you just don't have to. So see the God who walks on top of waves and see his love for you. See how powerful he really is. And get out of the boat, amen, stand up and sing.